Okay, we're in the theme of freedom in Galatians, and today the theme is going to be why freedom? Have you ever thought about that, why freedom? Do you know what I mean? Like, think about this for a little while, because the, the theme of freedom is all through the Bible, like repeated, and especially through this book of Galatians, you see the theme of freedom over and over and over again. But what would the world look like if we didn't have freedom? What if God didn't give us free will? Have you thought about that? Really, give me some ideas of what, what would you think as far as the picture goes of what things would look like if God did not give us free will? Like robots. Like robots, yeah. Doesn't it seem like robots? Because I think that there's a big battle sometimes with us getting it that God really values free choice. Ha- have you ever f- questioned that in your mind? Have you ever thought that maybe God has, like, what God's about is controlling? Have you ever thought that? You know, and then you think about, because he could. We talked about that last week. God could, he's God, the creator of the universe. Seriously, like, what God would be capable of, we're like little. We're like, it's like an ant compared to a person. Only, actually, I think it's probably even more extreme than that when, you know, in, in whatever my little pea brain mind can comprehend, I think of a person versus an ant, but honestly, I think that the difference is even more vast than that as far as um, the difference between us and God. So God could absolutely take over. He could take charge. He could be like the little puppet master in the sky and go, oh, ha, 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 you know, and take, take over, take control. But we would look like robots. Life would look like that. You know, you think about it. Life would look... I don't know. I mean, just do you have a little bit of a, of a mental picture of that? So what we're going to look at in the scripture today as we're looking at the theme of freedom is to why. Why, why freedom? So let's go to, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but go to Galatians 4. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says, what, I, what I'm saying is that as long as, as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. It says, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God set sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so that you're no longer a slave but a son, and since you're a son, God has also made you an heir. I mean, to tell you, there's a big difference between being a child of God or being a slave of God. God did not desire for us to be his slaves. That was never his intention. He's God of the universe, really. Why would he need that? What would that actually do? It says in the Old Testament, if I, God says, if I was hungry, would I ask you? You know, it's just, it's God's sense of humor. There's little jokes in here like that, but it's sort of, there is nothing that we could possibly do for God, the creator of the universe. So the intention was that God desired to have children. And you think about, as far as a family goes, and why people, what are some of the reasons that people have children in a healthy way? We know that people have children sometimes in ways that are, you know, 
to meet their needs and to meet their ego and, you know, things like that, that some parents do funky things as far as having children. But in the most honorable way, how would you see, like, why people have children? Yeah? To bring joy to the children's lives. Let's hope that there would be some of that. That would be, <laughs> you mean not to, not to cause misery? That's not the purpose of why parents have children, to torment somebody, torture somebody? What else? To share, to share their love. Honestly, isn't that a big one when you think about it? Like, think about if you are a parent, think about why you wanted to have children. What did you want? Like, what were your desires and longings as far as what you wanted to give or pass down to your children? You know, the, uh, but love, I'm sure, is one of them. Somebody to give your love to. I really believe, and in the context of this, it's going to talk about a few, we're going to see the concept of freedom, but you cannot really have love if, if you don't have freedom, can you? How can love exist, you know? You can't force people into loving you. I think it's amazing that God desired, it says in the Bible that God is love. The being of this, like this whole creator. And sometimes, you know what I like to do is look at the creation and see God's love in the creation. Have you ever done that? Just to look around with the wonderment. I think sometimes of a child and I think about looking at things. Personally, my thing is the ocean. So I like to walk along the ocean and go, wow. Like, God made this to bless me. You know, like, this is just like, I love this ocean and all the things in it. You know, and it just sort of, just, you can see the love of God a lot in the things that God has made. You know, in, in his creation. Um, but you cannot have love without freedom. You can't force people to love you, then you don't have love anymore. If it's by compulsion, or it's by control, or it's by coercion, or manipulation, or any of those things, it's no longer love. So, there's a big part of this that, and then, in this verse, in verse 6, it says, Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba, in Aramaic, is the, a very close term of endearment of father. It's kind of like daddy. So God gave, it says, Jesus Christ, that we could have his spirit inside of us and be born again of God, have Holy Spirit within so that we can become a child of God. It says that when we get saved, when we get born again, that we have incorruptible seed within us, that we become, that we have the nature of God, that we have eternal life, that we have his seed inside of us. Just the way that when your earthly parents, you have your father's seed inside of you. You have his nature inside of you. It's the same way that when we get born again of God. But that spirit, it says, is that we can cry, Daddy. Wow. God wanted us to relate to him in that way of saying, Daddy, in a good way. I know some of us have blocks about the whole father thing. I know that that's, I've, had, I've struggled with that. My, my mom was married three times, and they were three awful men. They were just hideous, crazy, all three alcoholics, not, not a good situation, um, all three abusive in different ways. Um, I did not know what a father looked like. And so I know that there have been times that I've struggled in my relationship of relating to God by letting that 
be in the way because I view God as the tyrant or as the controller or I, I, I impose those experiences of mine on God. But God's desire was to be that we, that we would relate to him so that our heart would cry out and want to cry out, Daddy. You think about what, when you use the word Daddy, do you know, like, you think about a child and you think about, there's a vulnerability almost in it. It's, it's a neediness. There's a helplessness in that cry. But God wanted us to have that in our hearts. I, I feel very strongly, and I believe that it was God's intention. He says, he is a father to the fatherless. For those of us, us in particular that never had a father that was all that they should have been or could have been for us, that God says that he steps in to be that father. God has been that father to me. That's God's heart. That's God's desire is to fill in the gaps. Whatever that we were missing, he wants to relate to us as his children. That's why freedom... God gave us all a choice as to whether we could love him back. When you have children, they have a choice, don't they, of whether they love you or not. They have a choice whether they stay in your family or whether they can keep a relationship with you. When children grow up, they can say, forget you, and they're out of here. But God designed it. so He gave us love and gave us all that he is to want to be that father for us, but it's our choice to have that relationship with him. Let's go to, um, oh, it says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you an heir. Let's skip um, down. I'm going to kind of give you some overview of things that happen, because um, I've been going too slow, so I've got to speed up a little bit here. We're going to go to uh, Galatians uh, 5 and 1. What's basically, as far as the overview that happens through this, Paul goes into, you've been given freedom. Why are you trying to go back to the law again? He talks about that. He also, it's interesting, he talks about the fact that kind of his heartbreak where people have tried to manipulate the things that Paul said and use it to turn the people there against Paul. And so he talks about some of his heartbreak there. Um and how their hearts had turned uh, away from him. It also talks about that he has labor pains as he is even now, just not that he, like labor pains that he experiences trying to, until Christ is fully formed in you, which is sort of a maturing in the faith. It's, you know, not just the new birth, but also like as he's helping them mature in the faith, he feels labor pains and trying to take them there. (laughs) This isn't easy, trying to get you guys here too, with spiritual maturity. He's like, ah, yeah. I have not had labor pains, but I have heard they're hideous. I've heard horror stories about what labor pains are like. Um, I, so he's speaking as somebody that has ministered to them that that's what it feels like at times to help them along in that path of trying to mature as a parent would. And again, only a parent would go through that. Only, only for love. You know what I'm saying? You've got to have a lot of love to want to go through that. Anyway, uh, and... In uh, chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, here's another one. Why freedom? Why freedom? It says in verse, in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, it is for what? Oh, wait, I can't hear that. It is for what? Freedom. 
freedom that Christ has set us what? Free. Free. Do you think there's an emphasis there? What, what in the heck is it saying? It is for what? Freedom. Come on, you guys are lame. You can do better than that. <laughs> come on, come on. Put some heart into this. All right, come on. Isn't freedom exciting? Yes. Come on, freedom. It is for what? Freedom. freedom. That Christ set us what? Free. Free. It, the, what is the purpose of Christ setting us free? What is the purpose? Freedom. Freedom. That's it. There's no strings. It's not like he set us free, so, oops, and then there's a catch. You know, it's, it's, it's not like one of those games where um, <laughs> you let the human, you know, the, uh, what are the, uh, this is really sick. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be sick. Okay. It's not like, no, no, but you can, you can see the analogy here. It's not like one of those games, you know, where you, have the hu- where you hunt humans and you let them free, but it's only so you can hunt them down again. Do you know what I, It's not, God's not, but don't you think, God, but don't sometimes people relate to God that way? Like, oh, he's just setting us free, and then there's a trap or something. Do you know what I'm saying? And some people teach this this way, that you are free by Christ, you're free by what he's given, but then there's a little twist you know what we talked about last week where you're saved by grace but yeah then all of a sudden you have to keep the whole law or you're bad and should be ashamed and going to hell and all kinds of other things so that's not it (laughs) freedom itself is worth it god's about freedom he loves freedom he values freedom (sighs) free choice is huge god wanted that for us he wanted it to be that we choose him It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And and that burden again is to be like tangled up in in slavery. Because the opposite of freedom is bondage, captivity. You think about what the opposite, think of the images that you have that, that are the opposite of freedom. Uh, you know, stocks and chains, being in prison, it's confinement, it, you know, that kind of thing. Not having a choice. But it says, what do, you think it, what, what do you think that means by saying, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by that yoke of slavery? What would it be to stand firm in slavery? In, in, um, slavery. Yeah, we don't want to stand firm in that. Oh. Uh, we want, what would it be to stand firm? In freedom. Think about it. What? Did, did your brain, is, is that like, did somebody go into overload here? What's the, what's the, what's, the, what's snoodling around in your brain? Stand firm. What do you think about? The what? Believing in something? Not budging. Holding, f- like, Holding on, you know, I think stand firm. You ever think about planting your feet and you're going, oh, you are not moving me. It's like, you know, it's like dig those heels and stay put. That's what God's desire is to hold on to that freedom. And don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You know what, though? It's not that easy, is it? I struggle with this. It's not like boom, like this. It is a struggle for all of us because it's hard 
to relate to the fact that really we do not have to pay a price anymore. That God's love really is a free gift and that there's no conditions on that. So it says, uh, we'll continue in verse 2. Mark my words, Paul. I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Wow, that's extreme. What this is saying, now this might seem wacky because nobody's making a big deal about circumcision these days. It's not, it's kind of hard to relate to that. But what it's saying, because, because what was going on here is people were saved. Jesus Christ paid the price. They're saying, yes, Lord, I believe they got Holy Spirit inside of them. But other people were saying, that's not good enough. You are not righteous before God unless you get circumcised. Because guess what? They were worried about what other people thought. They were worried about the appearances. They were worried about the outside. So people were coming in saying, no, no, no. You, you, it, you're not saved until you get circumcised. Now, that's kind of ridiculous when you think about what the heck is circumcision. It, it doesn't do a whole lot. What, what could that possibly accomplish? Jesus Christ's life was not enough. So what he's saying here is, if you do that, you're saying Christ's life was for nothing. It's saying it wasn't worth anything. It says, again, I declare to you, oh, <laughs> I, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You can't just pick one thing and say, okay, that's the law. That's what we were talking about. People, there's no such thing as obeying the whole law. It's not possible. It's not doable. So anytime we relate to trying to think about being good enough to be worthy of God or, you know, worthy of righteousness, we're just making up our own rules about what's good enough. It's not doable. So if you try and do some of the law, you, you should, if you're playing by those rules, you need to obey the whole law. In verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. The more we move to the law and trying to deserve things, we're moving further away from Christ. Which tells you, too, what's, what's the other side of that? The more we move towards Christ the more we're not living under the law and the more we're moving towards grace. We want to be moving towards Jesus. You know, that's where we get it. That's, honestly, it's in Jesus that you really, really get the unconditional love of God. You get the grace. Because it's the fact that his life paid the price for everything that we did. That's, you know, it's, um, sometimes I know in prayer, you know, people... Sometimes people have father stuff or it's harder to pray to God. It's sometimes easier to come to Jesus, you know, to to think. Because it says that Jesus is the mediator between God and man, that it softens our hearts sometimes to get God. Because if you're standing there before Jesus Christ and you know he gave his life unconditionally, you're going to move towards grace. You're going to get that you didn't deserve it and you didn't need to. It's kind of cool. Keep that in mind. You know, if you're struggling with the law, up, oh, struggling with the law, let's move towards Jesus. It says, and when you start liv- living according to the law, you want to move away from Jesus because there's more shame if that's how you're relating. And because you're trying to do it yourself, you don't want a savior. You want to be able to do it for yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's how all that kind of works together. The more you're trying to be the person that does everything for yourself on your own, you'll say, I don't need a savior. 
I'm good enough. I'll do it by myself. It says in verse 5, But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. That by the Spirit one day we're going to stand before God with knowing that we are, are righteous by, by the life of Jesus Christ. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor circumc- uncircumcision has any value. It's nothing about the surface stuff. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. God didn't tell you that. You were doing good. How'd you get off the, the mark? It was other people trying to teach lies. It says in verse 9, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And, and in, in the Bible, they talk, yeast is something that is more like an evil that spreads, you know, whether it's wrong teaching or it's like one bad apple spoils the whole bunch kind of thing. In verse 10, I'm confident in the Lord that, that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? Paul's saying, if I was, teach- if I, if I was teaching that, nobody would be persecuting me. Because Paul, the fact that Paul was teaching against the circumcision was the reason he was getting persecuted. He's like, nope, I am not being a people pleaser and saying what everybody wants to hear. I'm taking a stand for the truth and what God says and willing to pay the price. It says, in that case, if I was doing that, the offense of the cross has been abolished. She's <laughs> sarcasm. As for those agitators, the people saying you should be circumcised, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Cut the whole thing off. (laughs) That's some strong language. He's saying, you think it's such a big deal to cut that foreskin off? You should cut the whole thing off, you idiots. That's strong, huh? (laughs) You think he's mad, maybe? I think he's mad. I think he's mad. You going to go there? Let's really go there. Why would he be so mad about this? Why do you think God gets mad about this? God gets mad at people that put others into bondage, condemnation, and shame by putting rules and regulations of what, of what you're supposed to do to be righteous before God that puts you in bondage because you can't live up to it anyway. No one can live by the law. All you do is lie to yourself. That's all you can do is absolutely deceive yourself. If you are trying to be good enough to be worthy, there's no such thing. And so all that it leads to is covering a lot of crap up and pretending it's not there. Lying to yourself, harsh voices. There's no, it doesn't, doesn't add up to anything good. So that's why it's mad. How much bondage and shame are people in because of this teaching. That's why he's getting, because this is strong language, guys. Um, it, do you kind of get how much God values freedom that he would say this? You put people in bondage, cut the whole thing off. In verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be what? Oh, we lost the free thing again. You, my brothers, were called to be what? Free! There we go. (laughs) 
but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Guess what you get to do? You are so free, you get to use it however you want. You could go out there, and it says, it says in Romans that if we're free, if it's by grace, should we sin some more so we get more grace? Because you could. God's saying that is absolutely an option. He's not saying don't, you can't. I mean, he's not saying you can't or anything else. It's still not a condition. He's saying you've got the freedom, but don't use it to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, and look at the opposite of indulging in the flesh. Interesting. The opposite of indulging in the flesh is to serve one another in love. You're either move, if you're moving in service, it's a different direction than moving in fulfilling what makes you feel good. You're either, going, you're either self-serving, making yourself feel good, or being in a place that you're moving towards serving and trying to bless other people. That's why it's a big deal. Giving's a big deal you know, in, in happiness and peace and so many other things. It says 14, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. In verse 16, so I say, if, after all this, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So what would it mean to live? What does live by the spirit mean? Put yourself under the law. No, even, it, it even sounds cool. Live by the Spirit. Doesn't that sound kind of free? Do you know what I mean? Like, live by the Spirit. Like, what is that, you know? Um, but you think about that. What would that be? It's a different picture, isn't it, than the, than the, than the chains and the shackles. <clears throat> so living by the Spirit would be, <laughs> it's living by the Spirit of God. Living by, well, actually, we're going to read more. We'll read. And you will not, if you do that, is as you move towards living in the spirit, towards spiritual things, the gratifying of the flesh falls away. It says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. So you're not crazy for fear, feeling a battle. Have you ever felt the battle? want to do God's will, and then want to gratify the flesh. Gratifying the flesh has got a lot to do with things, you know, like immediate gratification, making yourself feel good, those kinds of things, it says. But, but, so those things are warring inside of us. We get to choose who wins. Day by day. You know, every day we get to choose, you know, which what we're going to do, because guess what? We got freedom! So we get to choose. Okay. (laughs) They're in conflict. They're battling. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Interesting. Now, sometimes I've heard, you think of the word of being led. Being led is different. If you are led by the Spirit, that means you are choosing to follow the things of the Spirit. It's a choice. Sometimes we think of being led as being controlled. It's not anywhere close to the same thing. It's a lie. And guess what? Satan wants you to think that way. 
Satan wants you to think, because you can do whatever you want, and that actually is bondage. If you do whatever you want and whatever feels good, it's not God putting you in bondage. You'll just be in bondage for, you know, because of you reap what you sow. There's, a, you know, laws of life like that. Um, but being led is specifically choosing to surrender, you know, your gratifying the flesh and saying, I want to follow the spirit and the things of the spirit. Putting yourself, you know what? Submission is not being controlled. Submission is a choice. Submission is saying that you're putting yourself under the care and the leadership of someone, something else. It's a totally different thing. That's a choice. And that's a choice that we make. There's actually the greatest freedom that exists of all is choosing to live by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And then it talks about some of the differences. (laughs) Like, what the fruits of our sinful nature? You can see, we're familiar with that. It says, the acts of sinful nature are obvious. Fruits of that, you know what that is. Do we really need to go there? But sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. You know what those things are. (laughs) Some of us are more familiar than others (laughs) with this list. Um, But everybody's familiar with some of this list in some way. Envy. We can all raise our hands. Um, Jealousy. I'll raise our hands. There's, you can't get through life without experiencing some of this stuff. <laughs> I said, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's not good fruit in that lifestyle. It says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So, The reason that we make our choices, because we get to choose its free will, is because of what we want for fruit in our lives. We get to choose. Now, again, this is not God controlling things. This is not God punishing. It is that the universe is set up certain ways that certain things that we do lead to peace, freedom, you know, love, joy, you know, peace, gentleness, goodness, all of those things. Being led by the Spirit leads to those things. It produces fruit. It's just like planting. You plant stuff in the ground, you're going to get what you plant. It's a law of nature. People relate to this sometimes as if, um, as if it's just sort of like God, you know, it blesses people to do good, and then that's how it turns into, oh, God's still controlling. That's not the reality. There's certain just, laws of the universe. To me, I always love the example, you know, the laws of of how life work is it's the same idea of you jumping off a building, you know, like a 30-story building or something like that and going splat and getting mad at God for not saving you because you don't like the laws of gravity. You know, God just in his word sets up that there are certain things of how life works and that, and so all of the things that God speaks about in the Bible is for our benefit, for our blessing. We can do them, not do them. It's just that God knows more about life than we do. Yeah. 
God knows more about life than we do. So, and that makes sense, doesn't it? That God is the author of the universe and life and us, that he would know how we work best, that he would know how we are the most blessed. And so that's basically what, uh, that's the reason why being led by the spirit at, results in good things. It's just sort of like, if you think about the planting thing and the sowing thing, if you went to somebody that was an expert at farming or at um, planting things, if you went and got the wisdom of somebody that knew all about horticulture or, you know, those kinds of things and followed that, you're going to, it's going to turn out better. That's all that it is as far as listening and being led by the spirit in life. Um, so it's about fruit. Okay. So it's not, it's funny because you could do the same behavior living under the law as being led by the spirit. You could have the same actions or activities. One is living under the law. You're doing it because you want to be good for God. I could stop lying because I feel guilt or shame. Because I want to be good. I want to be good, goody goody for God. I want to be good enough. Or I could stop lying for freedom. They're the same actions or behaviors, but they actually bear really different fruit. They have a different result. The difference between being led by the Spirit versus under the law is motive as to why we're doing it. We can choose not to lie because we're saying, I am sick of hurting. Like, that's where I got. I was one of the biggest liars in the whole world. I lied about everything. I got sick of hurting myself and others. I got sick of the fruit that it produced. I realized I am such a dummy that I was trying to make life work differently. You know, I I, I lied all the time because I didn't trust God to take care of me. I figured I had to con people and try and control. I was trying to control things. I want to talk about controlling. Trying to control my circumstances around me to get what I wanted, to get the result that I wanted, to get people to do what I wanted. Lied to myself, lied to others. I finally got sick of doing it, not because I thought God was going to love me. I knew God loved me that way. I was amazed God loved me that way. God loved me when I was an absolute hideous liar. God still absolutely loved me. I saw it in my life. I saw the fruit of his love in my life. I don't know how he did. I I was disgusted with myself. I was disgusted with myself, but God still loved me in that and was fighting for me in that. But I finally just realized, I'm an idiot. This is not bearing good fruit in my life. It's ruining everything. It took a lot for me to get to that place of saying, this is causing destruction. God has a point about telling the truth. There's actually value there that my life actually, ever since I got committed to being more truthful, you know, and I just really committed myself to just, it was huge. I was just like, I'm going to just tell the truth about everything. If I'm late, it's not going to be because of traffic if it's just because I was lazy and got out of the house late, you know, or whatever. Because I just got so sick of the fruit that it, that it had in my life. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how much better God's way works. That's what this is talking about. There's a difference. The, so does that make sense? The behaviors can be the same. But the motives are different. That's the, that's the, t- they bear different fruit. One is motivated out of a sense of shame and guilt and feeling like somebody's controlling you. It will not bear the same fruit as saying, I know I'm loved anyway, and that's actually why I'm making the choice, because I get that God wants me to just be blessed. 
that's the difference between the two. Because sometimes people get those confused, like thinking, okay, well, if I'm making the changes, God's controlling me. No. And we want to own the choices. We want to own that we want, that really it is a choice that we're making. We get to make choices. God wants us to know that. That's why he's making such a big deal about that. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So the, like I say, I believe with all that's within me that God wants each and every one of us to be blessed, to feel loved, to feel free. To not be weighed down or tangled up by feeling like, like we are under the law. God loves each of us. He sees right now. I mean, think about what God sees right now in you. We think sometimes that we're hiding this stuff. We're not. Whatever it is, dark feelings, thoughts, whatever it is, God sees each and every one of us in those darkest, stupidest most shameful places and loves us right now just the way that we are unconditionally he gave his son jesus christ to give his life his blood the blood of christ jesus paid the price to wash us clean from all sin and unrighteousness and jesus christ gave his life willingly for that he absolutely was willing to pay the price for each and every one of us he did not deserve to die he went there because he chose to so now we have a choice. God wanted us to get that it's free choice. We have free choice. God gave us that, everything he did, and you could still walk away from God. You could get saved and, ex- and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and still walk away. You can. And you're still saved, still got Holy Spirit. You can. Why would you want to live differently? Because living differently bears fruit in our lives that bless us. Our lives turn out amazing. It has nothing to do with God loving us or not loving us. It's just that the whole purpose, there's not one thing that God tells us to do in here that his whole point is not just because he wants us blessed. We get to choose to listen to him or not listen to him. We get to be stubborn. We get to try it our own way. We get to screw it up. God gave us that choice. So we can stay there and be stuck all we want. God's, it hurts God's heart that, because it hurts us. When God sees us stuck someplace and not making changes, God doesn't dislike you. His heart breaks to see you hurt and tangled up in it. That's God's perspective because God has made us free. He gave us freedom. Amen. Okay, let's... Uh, let's... Uh, bless the offering, and then I think we get some announcements. Uh, Heavenly Father, I am thankful for your love and that you you gave us freedom and that how much you really value that, that we always have a choice. Um, God, you've even given us a, the choice when it comes to giving that it's you have not forced us into anything, um, but that is it is an opportunity to let go and to trust you and to step out in faith. And so um, I ask you to bless this offering, God. I love your promise that you multiply back and that uh, it's a way of opening the doors of faith. And so I ask you to bless this offering as we uh, freely give to you by our free choice and that our hearts are free in doing it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.